0: Today, as we continue in Luke, we're going to talk about Luke chapter 12. Uh, Pastor Mark and Mitch have done a fantastic job over the last several weeks, and uh, with the help of the Lord, I'll continue to carry on that, that torch. Um, I have to share something with you, though. You see, so as I read through Luke 12, I was struggling with finding uh, a good central theme, uh, a good way to communicate what I feel like... Luke and, and Jesus, and, and actually in most of Luke, it's a, really a red-letter chapter. A lot, of, a lot of the scripture comes directly from Jesus. had a hard time putting together that central theme. And honestly, I couldn't. It was through prayer, and I believe the guiding of the Holy Spirit. that finally, uh, I came to a point where I felt like this is what God wanted me to communicate. So I'm going to do the best I can today, and uh, the Lord will be with us. So why don't you open up with me to chapter 12 in Luke. And what I want you to notice uh, at first is the titling uh, on the top of the chapter. Now, as I was preparing for the sermon, I looked at several different versions of the text. And the ESV version stated, Beware of the Leaven of the Pharisees as the title. NLT was a warning against hypocrisy. NIV was warnings and encouragements. And finally, NASB was God Knows and Cares. God Knows and Cares. I believe that God knows and cares is probably the most accurate description for the entire chapter. I think it carries through the entire chapter. God knows the condition of our hearts, how we really feel on the inside. And God cares. He cares about our focus. He cares about where our focus lies, about all we we are and all we do. You see, God knows everything about us. He knows our successes, our failures alike. He loves us right where we are. Even with those failures, He loves us right where we are. The day that we were created... He had all this love for us. He created us out of love, and that love carries through our entire lives and into heaven, hopefully. It, it's unwavering. No matter what we do, what we say, how we act, God still loves us the same. He loves and focuses on the contents of our hearts. So, again, back to, to God's amazing timing. Brett, I apologize, Uh, you're in my story, and I I didn't forewarn you, but uh, you can thank your father for it, uh, definitely. Always amazed at God's timing. So, I was talking to Pastor Mark last week, or the week before, about my struggles uh, with this chapter and some of the the ideas that I had or what I felt like the Holy Spirit was prompting me to talk about. He gave me a little story, uh, and the story's about some apples. Uh, Yep, he knew it, All right. But a little background, Uh, for those that don't know it, Pastor Mark enjoys having an apple a day. He he really does. So I I take out the garbage in the office and I can attest to the fact that he really does eat his apple a day. So yay for Pastor Mark. He's doing the right thing. I appreciate that. Um, So one day it turns out Brett was hungry for some apples. Now Pastor Mark, he enjoys those little empire apples, like green and red, and they're, they're pretty small. But red, but red, but Brett, he's kind of the red delicious kind of man. He likes the big juicy red delicious apples. You know, kind of the the sum that I I would envision in the advertisements for the, uh, the grocery chains, you know, big, shiny, light hits them just perfectly, makes your mouth water just staring at them. So Brett got a bag of those beautiful, red, delicious apples from the store. Well, here's the problem. From what I'm told, every one of those beautiful, red, shiny, expected to be juicy and delicious apples was actually a bit soft and squishy on the inside. The whole bag... Was, was rotten, right? Yeah, the whole bag was rotten. So I, I think you're going to see, as I proceed through the sermon today, God is, is really telling us, hey, we should not be those, those rotten apples. Beautiful on the outside, but, but kind of squishy on the inside, right? God loves us completely and knows and cares about what's in our hearts, what's on the inside, not necessarily an outward thing. Let's take a step back to last week. And I think this, this message actually ended in, uh, in Luke chapter 11. So chapter 11, we start in verse 37. It states, as Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and he took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he had sat down to eat without performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees, are you so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish? But inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Again, not outside, but inside. You see, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees adherents of to Jewish customs and laws, declaring that they are followers of God on the outside, but their internal feelings and thoughts, they're a bit impure. Their hearts are not God-centered. The Pharisees were concerned with how others viewed them, others being man and not God. So as we get into Luke 12, we see the same theme described. Meanwhile, it states that the crowds grew until thousands were milling about and stepping on each other. Jesus turned first to his disciples and he warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. The time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed and that his secret will be made known to all. Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light and whatever you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the rooftops. I like like a couple of these key descriptors in these verses. First, he stated yeast of the Pharisees. So, For those that have done any amount of baking, uh, yeast is a powerful little ingredient, right? You don't add a whole lot to a loaf of bread, do you? But a small amount of yeast can impact that large ball of dough. A little bit of insincerity, a speck of impurity maybe, could have a dramatic impact on not just the person about themselves, but their sphere of impact as well. As you've heard described before, when metal is put under heat and melted, what rises up to the top? The impurities, right? The impurities come to the top. So what's inside, what that true content is, really matters. So Jesus also mentions hypocrisy. Now hypocrisy, I did a little, you know, little definition research. I googled it. Um, It's defined as the outward conformity without inner reality. How perfect is that? That's, that's such a great definition. Outward conformity without inner reality. The Pharisees were those shiny red delicious apples. Jesus is warning them. Outward compliance without inner, with in, inward rebellion is worthless. You see, if we we're right on the inside, that love will extend to our actions. That's what matters. So the focus can't be on how we perform on the outside. Because if we're right on the inside, it's going to shine through, it's going to come through. So Jesus is pretty clear on that importance, again and again and again. In Matthew 23:27, he states, "Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like the whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but on the inside, they are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanliness. Again, outwardly, together, but inward rotten. Not what God has commanded. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 states, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on the gates. His word, his love, his truth should emanate from us, from our whole being, inside out. Back to Luke 12. So Jesus goes on to tell us that because of the importance of our hearts, because of the focus that God places on who we truly are, that God, out of love, he will judge us, he will correct us. All your parents out there, think about it. Do you ever let your kid, your child, your, your loved one, your creation, your, your adopted child, whatever it might be, do something to harm them without giving them some kind of correction? I hope not. <laughs> I know I wouldn't, and I, I know these two in the front could attest to that. Maybe a little too much. So, starting in verse 8 of Luke, he says, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth the Son of Man, will also acknowledge him in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. You see, we have the greatest advocate available to man. We've got to form that relationship. We've got to accept that relationship with him. We must choose a choice that's available to everyone, available to all mankind. Now, Jesus isn't just referencing to the outward conformity, the outward speaking of his name here, this declaration, but the inward cry of surrender, repentance, and belief as well. We should radiate Jesus in all that we do. And if we truly do internally, it's going to come naturally. It's going to come out of us. It's going to flow from us. Now, unfortunately, I will say that Christ tells us in verse 10 that anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I have to tell you, I, I fought a bit <clears throat> with even including this in the sermon today, with even going to this part of, of uh, Scripture. But it's something that's kind of plagued me in my, my time with the Lord in the past and reading through this. I really felt I wanted to explain it to you. You know, early in my Christian walk, I had a false narrative. And I, I think there probably are still some false narratives that we fight through, that I fight through. You know, I wondered if based on outward errancies, actions or mistakes, if I was one step away from losing my seat on that salvation train. I know better now, but I will say that as an early Christian, as a young Christian, I definitely, definitely was concerned with that. But the Lord desires that close relationship with us and doing so. Here's the truth. He knows that we're weak. He knows that our flesh isn't strong. He knows that we're going to fail. That's why Jesus didn't just die for the sins that we committed. It's the sins of our past, the sins of our present, the sins of our future, right? So that we could be united to him forever. So what I believe that God is speaking to in reference to the blasphemies of the Holy Spirit is the outward rejection of the calling of the Holy Spirit. A rejection of the truth. You see, the Pharisees refused to believe the truth. The truth that was spoken to them directly by Jesus. The Son of God Himself was in front of them and they failed to want to accept or believe what he had to say. They were followers of law, the law of God on the outside, but they're out, outwardly righteous on the out, out, excuse me, outwardly righteous on the outside, but lack depth of faith and openness to God on the inside. Now, in contrast, as those who are entering into a new relationship with Christ, We may run from him. We may become deaf for a period of time, but our hearts will bring us back. The Holy Spirit's prompting will draw us near. Tell you what, if you ever worry about your salvation, you're saved, right? That's the Holy Spirit working in you, pulling, drawing, the Lord affirming the fact that he wants you to be in his will and in his way. How great is that? But for those that do accept, those that accept the Lord into their heart, great things lay ahead. And when you are brought to trials in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. That started in verse 11. And that's what I believe today as I walked up here today to perform the sermon. A little nervous, but I know that the Holy Spirit is with us. We heard that. Praise the Lord. What a great day. God will provide our words. God will provide the message. God will provide the truth when we need it, if we trust in him and not on ourselves. So back to the Pharisees. I I sometimes feel like they're picked on a lot in the Bible, but, but here's the deal. What a great example of what not to do. And Jesus loves to use good analogies. And the Pharisees gave him quite a few. So the Pharisees of the time were all about outward appearance, adherence to custom, even to the point that they would scream their water, fearing that they would consume an unclean gnat. If they only knew. <laughs> if they only knew. You know, many reports state that we, yeah, I know I'm going to gross you out a little bit, but we consume a pound or two of, of insect material every year. As a matter of fact... Title 21 of the code of, Fe- uh, the code of Federal Regulations actually has allowances. It's stated in federal code that they're allowed to have a certain amount of insect material, plant matter in our food. We're all good. God's got us on this. Don't worry about it. I digress. I'm sorry. You know, God is so adamant about what's in our hearts that the message of our heart and not a worldly outward focus, that it continues through the chapter in many different ways, that God wants us to really reflect on the fact that he cares what's inside and not, not out, that he puts it a few different ways. See, Jesus warns us against a trap of allowing what others see on the outside. Their perception of who we are or what we have to dictate how we feel about ourselves or even worse, how we believe God feels about us. The lie, the lie of the enemy. So it states in Luke, as Jesus is speaking to a crowd, a man appears requesting that Jesus arbitrates a dispute between him and his brother. See, they were wanting to split possessions, and he wanted Jesus to, to make sure that he communicated that you need to split this half and half, right? You need to make sure this is fair. Jesus doesn't do that. He focuses on the heart issue. He focuses on the real problem, and that being greed. So it states in the parable, starting in 16 of Luke 12, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll just tear down my barns, build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And then I'll sit back. And I said to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Ah, eh, Take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. Will you die this very night? Then who will get everything you worked for? Where was this focus? What I have? Myself, not Christ. It says in 21, Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have rich relationship with God. You know, I think that we sometimes, I know I do fail to see that possessions are of man and not of God, get overcome, overwhelmed with what we have. I don't believe that God delights and us doing that. But I think God does delight in us having some things. He wants to provide for us. He's a provider. He wants to bless us. There's no need to feel guilty because you have nice things, but they can't be your focus. The focus of our lives can't be continuing to try to get bigger, better, faster. Now, wealth doesn't automatically disqualify you, qualify you from the kingdom, but it can definitely impact your focus. Wealth tends to remove our reliance on God, he puts it back on ourselves. And that might work for a short time, but it won't last forever. God promised us, God will always provide for those who believed. Starting at verse 22, then turning to his disciples, right after he was done with his parable, he wanted to make sure that this word was inputted to his disciples' hearts. He said, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, For isn't life more than food? And your body more than clothing? Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you're far more valuable to him than any bird. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if we worry, you worry can't accomplish a little thing. What's the use of worrying over the bigger things? You can't change it. He goes on to talk about the lilies of the field being clothed in beauty and majesty. He talks about the grass that grows one day and gets tossed into the fire the next. Verse 32 states, So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great joy to give you the kingdom. It delights the Lord to provide for us. Now, going back to that that last analogy about the ravens, kind of thinking about how to, to bring that down to to just something that I would understand. I sometimes have to simplify things for myself and pray about them. Now, the ravens, they go out and they search for food. They get together and they drive you nuts when you're trying to hunt, for those that have hunted, But ultimately, what they need is provided for them. God cares about ravens. He cares about us. We are treasured by God. Jesus goes on to talk about the, the sparrows and the cost of the sparrows in the market. Right? The fact that they're they're worth only a couple of copper coins. At the time of Jesus, sparrows were the the cheapest live animal that you could pick up in the market. But even those cheap little sparrows, God cared about. God loves. We were created in his image. He's gonna care a whole lot about us. A whole lot about us. God takes value in all of us. We're all blessed with a unique identity that makes us special to him, that makes us unique to him. If you want to throw that slide up, Steph, please. So I remember growing up in a parochial school, kindergarten through eighth grade. um, Transparency is important, right? Spent a lot of time in the principal's office. I really did. I was one of those kids. I don't know if I wanted attention or what, but yeah, I did a lot of things wrong. But I remember hanging... On the cabinet of the principal, I saw this poster. Little boy, looked a little discontent, arms folded, maybe laying on a desk or something. It simply says, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. Ain't that the truth? God don't make no junk. God takes value in all of us, all of us. As we wrap up today, you remember anything from our time together, please remember this. God made us out of love, pure love, love that's intended to resonate through who you are, beginning on the inside. Again, if it starts on the inside, it's going to come out. You can't help it. Friends, we can rely on Christ coming back again. We should be be ready for his return. Jesus wants to make sure that we have that relationship with him. The one that he freely gave as he spread his arms out on the cross. He wants us to receive him. He's chasing after us even now. For those that struggle to believe it, it's true. God wants to hold us dear and near to him. Now, I will say there's, there's nothing that it says in the Bible, as much as I read it over, that it's going to be easy. There's nothing that says that our, our friends may not look differently on us or potentially reject us. But there's an internal promise. Jesus said it finally in, as we wrap up Luke 12 and 49 through 53. He states, I have come to set the world on fire. And I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I'm under a heavy burden until it's accomplished. Do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth? No. I've come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. God-pleasing, not man-pleasing. I want to talk about that for a second because that's, that's an interesting, some interesting verses. Jesus is speaking to the point that he's coming here to gather his believers, to spread his truth, to give us the escape from our sin. And it's going to set the world on fire. Because unfortunately, although offered to everyone, not everyone's going to accept that gift. Not everyone's going to accept that blessing there's going to be discontent among friends even families but God's okay with that because he's called his believers to him and he wants us to accept him he wants to hold us close with his open arms there may be consequences for doing right in God's eyes but the benefits far outweigh the temporary consequences when it comes to our relationship with God our relationship with Christ we have an eternity ahead of us if you think about it our time here on earth is of the Bible, it's just a blink of an eye. But our promise is a joy, an opportunity to worship, an opportunity for fellowship forever in heaven, if we only make that choice. I'm gonna ask you now to stand with me. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up. I'm gonna close this in prayer. And when you feel dismissed, please quietly leave the sanctuary. Before you do, I invite you to spend some time in reflection. I want you to think about, about what I said, what the Holy Spirit said through me. How's your heart today? Where's your focus? Where's our focus? I know this made me think long and hard. All right, transparency. Even to the fact, as, as silly as it sounds, yeah, I play Candy Crush way too much. i else struggle with that? Anyways... That's the time I could be spending with the Lord, with my family. Where's our focus? God wants to see a, see Himself in our hearts, not just on the outside. Because in the outside, if it's just on the outside, the truth will come out. So is there something that you have placed to great of a focus on? Are you trying too hard to shine? On the outside, while there's a little bit of unrest inside, you're a little squishy. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you need prayer today, i please invite you to come forward. I'd be happy to pray with you. I pray that you guys have a great day. You're blessed. And it doesn't snow anymore. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this time together, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your message, Lord God. We thank you that you've given us an opportunity, Lord, to be in alignment with you. And I pray that you work in our hearts and minds, that you show us, Lord, if there's an area in our lives where our focus is today that that it shouldn't be. Please help us to bring that focus back to you, Lord, to make you number one in our lives at all times. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless us the way that you intended to, that you would fill our hearts with joy, fill our hearts with love, Help us to serve you each and every day of our lives. I thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.